everybody. Welcome back. It is Tuesday, April 24th, and this is the Weekly Impact Podcast. I am Brent Smith. Today around the table, I am joined by Jacob Kingsley, Daniel Yelverton, and a special guest. I'll let Daniel introduce. Yeah. Hi. This is awesome. Uh, Lainey, my wife, is here. She's also one of the worship leaders at uh, Elevation Community Church. So, hi, Lainey. Hello. So glad Hello. you could join us today. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you. So, guys, today we're going to get into Matthew 14. Um, We won't waste any time. Let's just go ahead and get right into it. We'll start with Daniel. Okay, great. Uh, Matthew 14, uh, the death of John the Baptist. At that time, Herod, the Tetrarch, heard of the fame of Jesus. And he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people, because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod. So that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oath and his guests, he commanded it to be given. He sent and he had John beheaded in prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went to shore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is over now. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, 
Truly you are the Son of God. And when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all that region and brought to him all who were sick, and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment, and as many as touched it were made well. All right, guys, so that wraps up Matthew 14's reading for today. Um, let's just go ahead and do our typical soap method like we do. Um, we haven't explained that in a while, so um, Jacob, will you explain soap real quick to everybody? Yeah, absolutely. So it's just a, a simple acronym that helps us um, determine how do we go about approaching and understanding the Bible. So first you read the scripture, that's the S, and then you go to observation. So what stands out to you? What are the, the things that might be controversial that you don't understand? Then you get into application um, which is, what is this saying for my life now? And then you end with prayer, um, because that's always important for understanding the Bible. So soap. Scrub-a-dub-dub. So soap. <laughs> so moving on to the O in soap then, since mm-hmm. we just read the scripture, observations. What stuck out to anybody? What spoke to them? I think one of the first things that I've never really noticed, because you hear about Jesus fed the 5,000, and then you hear about um, the walking on the water. I've never paid attention to the context of where Jesus' Jesus's heart was coming into that. He mm-hmm. had just lost his cousin. Mm-hmm. He was beheaded. He was mourning. He was being followed by crowds. He had great compassion, still healed them. And some of his greatest miracles was done in that state. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've ever paid attention to the connection between the two of those and how powerful that really is. Yeah, I was the same way. It really stuck out to me. Um, I never realized that he was, you know, and being Jesus, I don't know if he goes into a state of grief, but there's still, he's human. He has to feel that loss in some way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that had to be tough. So for him to have that much compassion when he came off the boat and was there and did all those miracles for everybody, that was really spoke to me even more about his heart and who he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it gave us a good glimpse into his humanity. Um, you know, there's the, there's a famous shortest scripture uh, is Jesus wept, right? Yeah. But that's the death of Lazarus, his friend, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and so you see, um, you do see a lot of emotional, um, I guess the emotional side of Jesus, the mourning, the going to the desolate place to just kind of be alone, and but then the compassion, and I I love the I think even in his his moments of, of grief of losing his cousin and a, a, a good friend and somebody that Jesus had great admiration for. I mean, when mm-hmm. Jesus talked about John the Baptist, he said he was the greatest prophet, yeah. you know, uh, ever. Mm-hmm. And, and so to, to know that he is dead, I mean, Jesus knew that was coming, but even in the moment he had, to, he felt his humanity there, but then he didn't use that as a platform to turn into selfishness at all. Mm-hmm. And not to say that any grief turns into that, but instead like he was moved to then, uh, into compassion for the people around him. And I think that that just shows just like you said, Brent, the great love that Jesus had not only for his cousin, but also for all of the people that he was interacting with constantly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love where the disciples in uh, verse 15, it says, uh, Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is over now. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. It was like their way of wanting to protect Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like, just give them this excuse to go into the village. You need, like, some time. And I think they're, at least from what I understand, I feel like their hearts were in the right place with that. But then Jesus goes and says, 
they need not go away. You give them something to eat. And then obviously it turns that into the feeding the 5,000. Um, but that, that stood out to me just in the, them wanting to give Jesus like an excuse, just Mm -hmm. send them away. You know, they can go get something to eat and then we can deal with this later. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I don't know. I just thought that brought out the humanity, humanity of the disciples Mm -hmm. too, and their friendship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think too, you see that the disciples are, are kind of catching on to how Jesus cares for people too, because they're there and the disciples are like, these people are probably hungry. Like, you know, Jesus, maybe stop teaching them for a little bit. You know, you need a break. They need a break. They can go get some food. They can come back and everything's going to be great. And Jesus is like, why would they have to leave? And the disciples are like, because they need food. And then Jesus does this, <laughs> this huge miracle. But I think the, the thing that sticks out to me the most in this whole narrative, and it's a crossover from the 5,000 into Jesus walking on the water is the disciples, right? They, they come to Jesus and they're like, let them go get food. And Jesus is like, no, they're fine. They're like, we have no food. Jesus does this crazy miracle and he feeds more than 5,000 people because those were just the men. Mm-hmm. So yeah. much left over. They see Jesus do something that's like never been done before. And so they see the miraculous nature of Jesus, you know, the God side of Jesus. And they're out on the boat and it's stormy and Jesus is walking to them and they don't put the pieces together that this Jesus that they just saw doing miracles is the Jesus that's doing another miracle right in their eyes. I get a ghost. (laughs) And so it's, it's comforting in a sense for me, because you see how Jesus responds to them. And he's not like, you're the worst type of people ever. I'm going to start over with new disciples and all this. He, He works with them. And that's comforting for me because how many times in my life does God do something that's miraculous? And then the next time God is doing something that's maybe in a hard situation, I'm like, God, where are you? Like, Mm -hmm. what's going on here? But God is still at work. I'm not recognizing it. And God has the same patience with me as he did with his disciples in that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. And I think that um, one thing, and this could go a little bit into application, uh, but I just uh, love that Jesus is doing something amazing by walking on water. But he wants us to participate in that. Like, mm-hmm. so he invites Peter to join. Peter's like, hey, okay, this is pretty cool. If you're doing this, like, let me walk on water. And he's mm-hmm. like, come, you yeah. know, yeah. participate. Be, you know, experience this. And, you know, like I said, this is going to probably go a little bit in application. But I think it's safe to say that the Holy Spirit uh, through Jesus is doing amazing things around us. And there's an invitation Mm-hmm. for us all to come and kind of step out and to participate in that. And so, yeah, I didn't want to jump too far in application, but I just thought that was a really cool observation that Jesus is, is, was constantly inviting people along into this journey, inviting mm-hmm. relationship into it. Even when he was feeding 5,000, he was he wanted them right. to stay. He wanted to participate mm-hmm. in their lives and what they had yeah. going on. And I think, uh, I don't know if you can call it a Bible hack, uh, but in, <laughs> in terms of observations, one thing to do is if a word is repeated in a certain you know chapter or in a chunk of verses, then it probably is trying to communicate something. And in verses 22 through 32, just at a glance, there might be more than three, but it, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat in 27, but immediately 
Jesus spoke to him. Um, and then 31, Jesus immediately reached out his hand. And so it's wow. almost a sense of urgency that Jesus is there. Jesus is not delaying. Um, like you were saying, mm-hmm. him inviting us to be a part. He's not saying five years down the road. He's saying immediately. Mm-hmm. He wants to be involved now. And there is a sense of urgency of what God is doing. So I thought that that was really cool. And that kind of jumped off to me just now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And, uh, you know, whenever anybody's going through anything um, in relation to Jesus, I always have a tendency to look at myself and be like, would I do the same thing? And it, this one really makes me like, because there was a massive storm going on around them that's like freaky. Yeah. And I would love to think that if I'm standing there on the water with Jesus saying like, you know, come over here, that I wouldn't look at the storm. But knowing me, there's probably a part of me that'd be like, but, you know, (laughs) like, and then you look at the storm and that really, I would hope if Jesus is standing in front of me that I would have enough faith not to do that. But part of me says I would. So (laughs) that's just a check on myself, I guess. Mm -hmm. I've never noticed that. I always just thought that Jesus just asked Peter to come out on the water. I never noticed that Peter kind of said, he said, you know, if that's you, ask me to come out there. And I think it shows two things. One, it shows immediate, even though he loses faith later, there's immediate faith in Peter that said, if that's my, if that's Jesus, if that's who I think it is, he's the only one I would trust to ask me to come out there because Mm -hmm. I know he'd keep me safe, you know? And so I think going back to humanity, Mm -hmm. you know, Peter has that initial faith of like, okay, if it's Jesus, he's going to ask me to come out there and I can trust him. As soon as he, he's out there, mm-hmm. though, he loses his faith. And I think that happens so often when we're like, all right, yeah, Jesus, you know, have me go. If this is of you, take me to this place of, of challenge and of whatever, if it's of you. And as soon as we're in the situation, we're like, oh, oh, gosh, like, <laughs> I can't do this. You know, right. we start sinking and we start we start doubting, doubting Jesus's capability and, mm-hmm. uh, who he is. And I just think that that so comes out in this example with Peter. And I also too, when, um, the last part 34 through 36, um, I can't also help, but think like, thank God that Jesus is God and that his patience is infinite mm-hmm. because anybody, I know myself, if I was going around and everywhere I went, everybody was like, bring all your sick. He's going to fix you. You know, like <laughs> after at first it'd be awesome. Like, oh, I'm so happy to be doing this. But after a while, you're just like, man, I just want to break. Like, I just want to mm-hmm. rest. And everywhere I go, people were bringing me, you know, all their problems and stuff. And um, I just love that he never, mm-hmm. he never tires of mm-hmm. that, you know, because I know that I right. would. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you look at the kind of beginning of that story right after John is beheaded. And it says, now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But like then crowds are there and then, you know, he gets another boat, but then it's a storm. And then when he lands with the disciples, there are more crowds. And I think that that, um, it's kind of a message that the gospel of Jesus, that the lifestyle of Jesus isn't for solitude. It's Mm -hmm. not for alone time, um, that people desperately need, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Jesus set that example. He showed that people need him and he showed that he was available to people. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes our lives get busy when we love people the way that Jesus does, when we act in the calling that Jesus put in our life, and this is application, that we can't stick too tightly to our schedule, that we can't, you know, hold fast to our alone time and know this is me time. And I know that's a little controversial because, you know, self-care and everything is like really big in this culture. And that's true. 
but the best self-care is God. God will care for you. And so um, at the end of the day, Jesus entrusts himself to his father. And we see that alone time, especially on display later in his life in the Garden of Gethsemane. But you don't hear a whole lot of times of Jesus just by himself. Yeah. And I think to be able to um, love other people, it takes Jesus within us to allow that to happen. Mm -hmm. If we go out and we just try to quote unquote love people you know and and it's all action and it's in our own energy and capabilities like we're gonna burn out real quick Mm -hmm. and I do that all the time with like my kids or trying to take care of the home or whatever the case might be and how often I forget to ask for the Holy Spirit to do it through me Mm -hmm. you know like I think when we try to love with Jesus's love without Jesus (laughs) you know there was a reason that Jesus was in constant step with his father Mm -hmm. because he knew he had to abide with the father for him to be able to, you know, walk with him. And and so if Jesus is showing us that he is constantly in line with the father, we, we definitely have to do the same thing to be able to love other people effectively and in the right way. Absolutely. And I think that you bring up a great point, Lainey, uh, about the, just the, depending on our uh, on our own strength you just because you see like an ebb and flow with Peter in his interaction with Jesus mm-hmm. like he makes this huge step of faith and it's all through the power of Jesus that he's walking on water right and I think we can translate that to a lot of different areas in our life where we feel like we've made this step or we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit in us and we've done something that we recognize is totally out of our scope of control or strength or power but then like our limitations like start to like creep into our mind and we begin to just almost start to think about the things that uh, that we lack or uh, that we don't have enough time or enough energy or enough strength or enough patience or, you know, fatigue sets in or different things kind of set in and all of a sudden we see everything else and we lose sight of where the power is actually coming and the fact that we're walking on water um, ceases to become a miracle through Jesus and now it becomes something that we have to depend on our own strength right. and our own ability to do and so he right. sinks immediately mm-hmm. And But then Jesus is patient and compassionate and immediately comes to the rescue of Peter as he calls out. And so I think for us, there's, there is a cycle that we conceive in our, our pattern in our own life of when we depend on Christ and then we start to like transition into depending on our own strength and seeing our right. own limitations. But also Jesus' ability to rescue is always available and always there. Mm-hmm. And, and so we can always kind of whenever that moment kind of comes out, whenever we sink, we know who we can call out to it. And then we can continue to walk and be in miracle with Jesus because then they're walking back to the boat. Mm-hmm. So the miracle is continuing now. And then Jesus and Peter step in the boat and the miracle kind of crescendos with the storm completely stopping and everything still, mm-hmm. right. you know? And so I think that the opportunity for us to participate with Jesus in his miracles is always going to be there. And he, but he's not like, I don't know, like he's not sitting there like beating us over the head for our times when we falter with our belief right. and he's patient with us and he's faithful yeah. with us. And that continues just to show another piece of the heart of compassion that Jesus has that we've seen threaded all throughout mm-hmm. this chapter and all throughout the Gospels. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think something that you were really getting at there is in this part where especially Jesus walking in the water, Jesus... And and the gospel never promises us that the storms in our life won't be scary, that they won't be frightening and intimidating and overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Um, 
He doesn't even promise that we will always be qualified in ourselves, right? So very often am I qualified in a situation to actually be doing what I'm doing. Even now I'm like, am I even qualified for this? Because I really don't feel like it most of the time. (laughs) But what Jesus promises us and he shows us in this example is that he is there in the storm with us and he is not calling us anywhere. He's not saying come Mm -hmm. to a place that he already isn't that Jesus is there and it's his power that we need to rely on. And that's what Peter did initially. And then what you were saying he started to do is he started to look at the storm. He started to evaluate himself in light of it. And that's always going to let us down. Mm -hmm. That's always going to bring more fear, more anxiety, more failure into our life when we rely on ourselves. And Jesus is saying, stop, rely on me Mm -hmm. and you'll be in this storm. You know, you'll survive. You'll be able to walk on that water with me. I know it doesn't state about like the enemy or anything like that in necessarily in these verses, but talking about like taking Peter, taking his sights off of Jesus, something that has been coming up to me lately a lot is, you know, for those of us who have the spirit within us, the enemy can't steal that at all. He mm-hmm. can't touch that. He can't touch any of that. But what he can do is encourage us to forget Jesus. You know, he, he, it doesn't say it in here, so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, maybe I'm filling in gaps. But I feel like there's a vulnerability with Peter, with the storm, right? And and there's, when we're in a situation where there's vulnerability, um, whatever the situation might be, I I believe the enemy will often use that and encourage us to forget the miracle that Jesus just did prior to. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I know I fall into a lot. And there's so much power about remembering Jesus. Remember Mm -hmm. just simply, you know, I'm speaking to some of the stay at home moms or, or just parents or whatever situation you might be in. It's so easy to forget in the day in and day out grind of, of your life to often forget Jesus and to forget, but I, I feel like there's so much power in refocusing our minds and it may not take quiet time. There is no quiet time hardly ever as a stay at home mom and with kids or working or whatever. And, I, and so I think it's often bringing Jesus into where you are, you know, w- what your situation is and um, not try to always have to have this quiet time bring your kids into that, you know, and, and speak about Jesus. Um, just sometimes when I just speak his name, I don't have words. I'm fatigued. I'm tired. I can't think straight. Sometimes I'll just find myself just saying, Jesus, Jesus, come, Mm -hmm. Jesus, come take over Jesus, come. And that's sometimes I can't even speak the words. Sometimes it's just in my head, Mm -hmm. but I feel like just thinking of the name of Jesus what immediately releases the grip of the enemy Mm -hmm. that tries to Mm -hmm. fog our thoughts and try to forget, you know, who Jesus is. And I feel like that just helps tremendously. So, um, I don't know, that just made me think about that with the, um, you know, when we're in the midst of the storm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I love that we even, um, our kids at night, it started with Riley because Riley, she has a tendency to, to scare easily, like, especially at night at bedtime, you know, and she's in bed, if there's a storm or if she's having a bad dream or whatever, we've actually taught her to just stay there in bed and speak the name of Jesus Mm -hmm. because there's power in his name. And so she told us like, there's times when she wakes up and she's scared and she just says there, lays there and says his name over and over again. And that's like, 
that's awesome, you know? Yeah. Because it's true. I mean, there's power in his name. And if there's anything that you're afraid of that's going on, you speak his name and it has power over that situation and over whatever it is that's bothering you. And and it it makes you feel better because you're speaking to Jesus. But two, you know that he's there with his power and that he's going to be keep you safe so yeah. and mm-hmm. he comes immediately like mm-hmm. jacob said yeah. he pointed mm-hmm. that out that he comes immediately he doesn't he doesn't wait a second mm-hmm. when you ask for him to come yeah mm-hmm. i think one other thing that's also pretty amazing about not only inviting jesus in but the jesus power in us is that it's so it's seen or it's so evident in jesus's miracles in relationship to people so jesus uh, you don't see his miracles as like magic tricks. He's right. not like moving mountains because he can. You know, he's all of his interaction, all of his miracles, everything has to do with with people. It has to be in and around people. So I love that when we bring Jesus into a relationship, whether it's a relationship like with you, uh, Brent with your daughter or Lainey with our kids, you're bringing Jesus into a place where these miracles are happening because the priority of people and the priority of relationship and the compassion Mm -hmm. that Jesus has for people is seen so evidently throughout the gospels because of how often he is meeting the, the immediate personal need going on. Like he's not, you know, shooting lightning bolts out of his hand and making a rock concert with his face, you know, like he's not, he's not just doing these things. I don't know where that came from, but I mean, mean, Jesus has the ability to do that. Jesus doing like heavy metal, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I know. Exactly. It just feels like Jesus would do that. But, uh, but you know, it, it is all of his, it's all in context with the relationship. And I think mm-hmm. that's great because so often we can think of just like our alone time with Jesus and Jesus' power coming only like when we're having our quiet time with God and it's in that lone time. And you see Jesus taking time to get away and recharge and spend mm-hmm. time with the Father, which is absolutely necessary. But he's just... He brought Jesus into the relationships around him with people. It wasn't like a hidden thing. It wasn't something that he was waiting for people to get permission so that he could say Jesus. He was just like, hey, I'm going to bring the miracle worker into this relationship or whatever it is or this interaction with people because I know that that's what they desperately need. And and so I I just I love that when I observe that about Jesus life and how much he prioritizes that. And uh, and also another thing that's crazy to me is at the very end, he talks about all of these nameless people that are completely healed. And like there was another time in Matthew chapter nine where it was like, and everybody in all the cities and all the areas all got healed. And it was like, that's a lot of people, right? You know, I mean like, like a lot. Yeah. Like all is a lot, right. And of all the cities and all the towns and all the villages. Israel just was just the, think of all of Bland, you know, yeah, like right. if all of Bland was healed at once, yeah. how dramatic that would be. It was just a healing day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Israel was the healthiest country or nationality at the <laughs> yeah, time. Exactly. But Yeah. Uh, but I think what's amazing to me that it draws me to two things. One, that he just made time to love and prioritize people. But another thing that he did was that the things that we see in the Gospels are so intentional. So anytime there's a specific story, it's really for us to hone in and focus in on really what Jesus is trying to communicate and what we're seeing and observing from his life in these Gospels. And so just don't think of them as this kind of this haphazard compilation of, mm-hmm. of cool things that Jesus did that these are specific stories that the Holy Spirit has chosen through the apostles so that we could benefit from them. Yeah. And and then we get to see that Jesus obviously had compassion on so many other people, but we just know that from these stories we get to see so much more of Jesus' character and what he was trying to convey and what we can then apply. Yeah. And back to your um, point about Jesus and people, what came to my heart was... God is a God of family. His whole kingdom 
is structured for family, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm not just talking about being married and kids. I'm talking about his bride. You know, we are family and the whole, I believe that Jesus heart all through the Bible, it all comes back to family. You know, that's God's design. That's his original structure. Mm -hmm. And granted when sin gets, comes in, you've got conflict, you've got like, that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's just how family works. But I don't know. I just think understanding Jesus' heart, as we've been doing the chapter day, when we when I first started, I used to see Jesus as like this kind of a jerk, you know, like he's very blunt mm-hmm. and very straight to the point. Mm-hmm. But if you see his heart, obviously, you know, you're reading text, so it's hard to understand the whole picture. But if you understand that, like, obviously, Jesus is God and Jesus is walking in step with the Father. Jesus Jesus and God's entire relationship is family. Mm-hmm. And that is absolutely Jesus Jesus's pursuit of all of these people, his relentless pursuit, pursuit, his ability to be patient. You know, I think he's always wanting us to come back to relationship with him, relationship with people because of family. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so I think kind of the application that comes from this um, is where first are those opportunities in your life where you need to say, Jesus, I know you're in this situation. Call out to me and tell me to step out. Because Mm -hmm. first we have to step out in faith. And I know that's such a cliche term, step out in faith. But that that basically means when our situation, our circumstances, you know, say that we shouldn't be in this situation or we aren't capable to say, Jesus, you have a purpose for me here, and I'm going to trust your power instead of mine. Mm -hmm. And so the second application part of that is to then believe in Jesus' power and his calling on your life, his ability instead of your own. And then I know, Daniel, you were talking about, you know, how Jesus loves intentionally and his miracles aren't just magic and all that. And I would really encourage everybody, whether you are part of... um, our community here at Elevation Community Church, or you just listen to this podcast because you found it, um, our teaching series that we've been going through recently, Plan A, is all about how do we love people the way God loves people, and especially how we see Jesus loving people. Um, and so especially in the in the future, in the next month, we're going to get into a, a lot of practicals of what that love looks like. And so even if you can't be here on Sunday mornings, we would encourage you to listen to um, our weekly sermon podcast that is that companion piece, or this is the companion piece to our weekly sermon. So I would just encourage you guys to listen to that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so with that, Brent, would you like to close this out in prayer? Sure, I can do that. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time today to get into your word and to discuss this with my brothers and sister here. Um, I just ask that through our lives that we would learn to trust in you that we would be able to take your hand when you reach out to us and just believe that you will do what you said you will do. Um, God, just be with us through our lives. Um, Be with us as we uh, continue into this week. And also, please just be with all the listeners of this podcast. Um, Anybody out there who's getting to know you, um, you know, coming coming into a relationship with you, it's a... kind of a confusing thing sometimes for people so I just I just ask that you would be with them continue to surround them with people that know you and know your heart and that can help them to understand you as that door opens in their life and they they come into relationship with you so God we just we thank you for the time to be here we thank you for the ability to do this podcast and to be able to spend time together each week in your word and um, we just love you 
And we thank you in your name. Amen. 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 All right, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Weekly Impact. As Jacob was touching on a minute ago, um, we do as a church here at Elevation Community Church, we do a chapter a day. We uh, we just encourage you to follow along with us, if you would, because each Tuesday when we do this this podcast, uh, that's how we end up on the chapter that we're on. That's just Tuesday where we are each week. So uh, we'd love to have you join with us, but um, hopefully you're enjoying this podcast. Um, and just please spread the word if you like what you're hearing. Um, spread it out to people that you know and uh, if you would please give us a like and a review on uh, iTunes just so more people can hear what we're doing Um, so anyway we thank you again for joining us and for sticking with us up to this point and uh, we just hope you have a great week we'll talk to you next Tuesday